The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. How are you all? I've been telling you I have such great listeners. I say this because over these past six years, you have repeatedly followed this show so much that frequently it is number one on Voice America. And I thank you so much. I hope you all know how much it means to me uh, that you follow this show like this. Thank you. And today is a very important show because it's something very important to many of us, but to me personally, and that is, as you all know, I talk frequently about the employment of veterans with disabilities, and I was so privileged at the White House to meet Colonel Bob Norton. I was invited to an event at the White House, and the colonel was there, and actually that's how we, we were able to meet. And this is when I found out about his involvement with MOAA as deputy director. So first of all, before we say anything else, Colonel, I want to thank you on the air for what you've done for this country. Thank you so much, Joyce. I appreciate it. Well, being that I'm 56 years old, I remember when people came back from Vietnam, and I remember how they forgot to thank the servicemen and how they treated them. And I say all the time, who do you know that you don't know personally that would be willing to give up their life for you? Only someone in the service. So, Colonel, it is an honor to have you on the show today as our guest. Um, how about if we start by you telling our listeners what MOAA is? Sure. Thank you, Joyce. MOAA stands for the Military Officers Association of America. Uh, we've been in business for 80 years. We're the largest professional association for officers in the nation. We have 370,000 members, and that includes currently serving active duty and National Guard officers, retired officers, and former officers, and the surviving spouses of our deceased members. Um, we are an advocacy group, and we spend our time fighting for a strong national defense. And we do that primarily by fighting for uh, not only our members, but the broader military and veterans and survivor community. We fight for their earned compensation and benefits, uh, health care in the VA, employment for veterans, including disabled veterans. And we work on legislation, and we fight for everybody who has worn the uniform of our great nation. Wow, well, that is really wonderful. And how does someone join this group? How do you join it? Any officer who has uh, served honorably, worn the uniform of our country, uh, is eligible to, to join. Uh, that would include uh, 
officers who have served for just four or five or six years, career officers, uh, and warrant officers as well. And that's all the uniformed services, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, and the two, um, uh, the Public Health Service and the NOAA Corps, um, which uh, does uh, climate and all kinds of fishery work. So all seven uniformed services officers are eligible for membership. Well, what we did, uh, Colonel, is that several weeks ago, knowing once we got this show scheduled, that we talked to our Twitter and to Facebook and everyone, and we do have a question for you here, and I think you've answered the question, and that is, uh, with MOAA, does that include the National Guard? Absolutely. We have a large and growing number of National Guard and Reserve officers. At present, that is over uh, 60,000 of our members out of 370,000, and we are actively seeking to have National Guard and Reserve officers join our ranks because it's all about strength in numbers in terms of our work on Capitol Hill. Well, also, we have a Ted from uh, Facebook in Lansing, Michigan, and the question is, uh, Colonel Norton, I, I admire you. Thank you so much for all you have done for this country. My question for you is, sometimes it seems as if in many of the schools, when I talk to young people, that they sometimes have lost respect for the military officers as it used to be when I was growing up. Do you see this, and if so, what do you think is the reason? Well, I don't see it that way, Joyce. I actually see it uh, really 180 degrees uh, opposite. Uh, you mentioned at the top of the show that I had served in Vietnam. I was proud of that service, but you're absolutely right. When I came back and when a lot of my peers came back, uh, there was a, an, a sense of rejection, uh, a sense that... Uh, you know, we were not serving our country, and it was a difficult time. But today, I haven't found that at all. I mean, I find, for example, that um, military people wear their uniforms openly in public society, as well they should. Back in the Vietnam era, it was, uh, you, we were pretty much told, if you're going uh, out to the public uh, square, don't wear your uniform. So it's really different out there today. And I find, uh, for example, we gave a, an award to the Pease Air Force Base greeters last month at our annual awards ceremony. And these are folks who have welcomed home and have sent on their way every single flight, military flight, coming and going from Pease Air Force Base um, up in uh, Maine uh, that has taken place over the last five years. Whether the flight is 3 o'clock in the morning or 2 in the afternoon, they're there, they're saying thanks, and they're welcoming people. And I see it in the airports when I travel. People uh, stop to say thank you to military men and women, and it's, uh, it's very heartening and it's very encouraging. So I don't quite share the, the, um, the writer's perspective on that particular issue. Well, you know what? Maybe, as you mentioned, this is how it was in the past, because I, too, grew up during that time, 
But I would have to agree with you that I do not think it is that way now because I do see people, as you said, wearing their uniform in the airports because I travel a lot, and I see people going up to them thanking them. Exactly. Which really is so wonderful to see that because, well, God knows you deserve that. Well, Colonel, you served our country, and again, I thank you. You served in various wars for this country, and you were in various campaigns. Could you talk about that? Well, I'll just mention a little about uh, Vietnam. Um, I was a young second lieutenant uh, when I went to Vietnam, and I served as a platoon leader in a civil affairs platoon in the Army. Uh, We were uh, attached to the 196th Infantry Brigade in the northern part of South Vietnam called I-Corps. And your listeners may hear the term civil affairs uh, from time to time. It's on the news quite often because it's a very specialty in military service. Basically, back in Vietnam, our mission, our job, was to interact with local communities, local villages and towns, local officials, the local people, and to try to help them uh, get the services and help them organize and provide better services to their own people. We would also arrange to have uh, military medical units come out to the towns and villages. Vietnam was, and maybe still is, a third world country. So this was uh, a a really exciting and difficult mission at the time, and in fact today it's a very important part of the work that the U.S. military does in Afghanistan as well as Iraq. And in fact, uh, you hear uh, General Petraeus, the senior commander, talking about the importance of uh, close cooperation and collaboration with the Afghan people and with the Iraqi people. And civil affairs is really at the tip of the spear in terms of that whole effort, working with the local community. So I'm, you know, as an old soldier, I'm very pleased to see that uh, the specialty that I was in and the work that I did in Vietnam has, in a sense, come full circle and is a very important part of our war effort in both Afghanistan and in Iraq. And what is the name of that group again? Civil Affairs. Wow. You know what? I, I guarantee you most people do not have any idea what that is. That is, if they're not in the military or do not have a spouse in the military. But um, that, that also would be very, very uh, put-your-life-on-the-line type work. Yes, and uh, I would add, Joyce, that it's uh, it's very dangerous work, too. A lot of the civil affairs units actually are from the Army Reserve because these are folks that have civilian skills, civilian experience, whether they are uh, firefighters or in public safety or in the medical field or in public education, logistics, transportation, you name it. Um, they get called up and deployed with an Army Civil Affairs Unit. They are out there working in the communities, and often they don't have a lot of internal security, if you will, to protect them. And there have been a number of casualties in these Civil Affairs Units, and they're, co- they're on constant call in the Army because of the, the need to have this kind of capability to interact with the, the local nationals. Because at the end of the day, we hope 
that we will be out of both Iraq and Afghanistan as soon as possible. And that means that the local population really needs to have for itself and have organized for itself the kind of services and capabilities that will enable it to do what it needs to do to provide for its own people. Yes. Amen to that. Well, listen, we're going to go to break. But before we do go to break, if you just joined us right now, our guest is Colonel Bob Norton, the Deputy Director in Government Relations for the Military Officers Association of America. What a great man, what he has done for this country. We say, and will continue to say, thank you, as you should also. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com and now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back to the show. We are talking today to Colonel Bob Norton, the Deputy Director, Government Relations for Military Officers Association of America. And if you just joined us when we went to break, the Colonel had just started telling us about the various wars he has been involved with the campaigns he's been in for this country, and he had just finished talking about Vietnam. Then what happened, Colonel? Well, um, I got back from Vietnam, and I actually got out of the Army for a time, and I was in the reserves, and then I volunteered to come back on active duty, 
And uh, when I got back, I realized how much I missed it, and I spent a full career uh, doing a lot of work on military personnel kinds of issues, in, including the GI Bill, and I retired from the Army in 1995. Well, you certainly did a lot for this country. Um, and it is amazing how many people, though, once they're involved serving our country, that's it. They never stop. They're always doing it. Exactly. So, Colonel, here's my question. You're a great champion for everyone. Why do you think so many veterans with disabilities cannot find employment after, of all people, veterans with disabilities should be at the top of the list, top uh, of the hiring mm-hmm, line? Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Well, it's a great question, Joyce. I'm, I don't profess to be an expert, but... Uh, I think there are a couple of things going on here. Uh, first of all, it's sort of a picture of, of what's, what uh, the population is. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, about um, 21% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans have disabilities of one kind or another, service-connected disabilities. That's about 413,000 veterans. So there are, there are plenty out there that have disabilities. I think among the factors is that, of course, the overall struggling economy, we're still in a deep recession nationally. We're still struggling with uh, upwards of about uh, 10% unemployment. So the number of available jobs is not as good as it, it could be. A second factor, I believe, is that, and this may be not scientific evidence, but I think among veterans, uh, when you know they talk to each other um, by the internet, Facebook and Twitter and so forth. I think a lot of veterans who have the unseen wounds of war, PTSD and uh, cognitive problems from traumatic brain injury, I think they're reluctant in many cases to indicate that they've had service because they don't want to be perceived as being um, tainted goods, if you will, when they apply for jobs. And I think a third issue is that it's sometimes difficult for men and women getting off active duty, especially if they entered the service right out of high school, to translate or convert their military skills, their military experience into a civilian context, if you will, a civilian um, enterprise so that what they've done in the service will be marketable to prospective employers. Yeah. I, I, I want to tell you, I think many of those things are true. I just want to mention about the one part you said. You know, many of our soldiers, as you well know, come back with traumatic brain injury due to the explosives and the suicide bombings and everything else that's going on as the weapon of choice. This also leads to epilepsy, which I'm the chairman of the board of the National Epilepsy Foundation, but also, as you mentioned, in there sometimes a cognitive delay um, or post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, if you are an employer and you do find this out, come on, give me a break. You can't make an accommodation for this person. I mean, that is sinful as far as I'm concerned. 
You know, it's easy to hire the person that you think, okay, they look the part. Wait a minute. They lost their leg. They're in a wheelchair. They look really good in this outfit. But forget about all these other people. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's immoral. It is. Because I assure you that when these young men and women went out and put their life on the line for you, that was not their expectation when they returned. That's why they don't want to talk about this, because of fear. Fear of how they will be treated at work, in addition to, of course, as the colonel mentioned, I realize times are tough right now, but times will get better, and then what is the answer going to be? And I just want to say, Colonel, to any veteran with a disability seeking employment at Bender Consulting Services, we are more than happy to hire you. That is great, Joyce. And and as you know, there are many, many companies, large and small, that are bending over backwards to uh, hire veterans and disabled veterans as well. Uh, it, it is an ongoing challenge to make sure that the employment sector is aware of the great uh, possibilities and great potential that these young men and women bring uh, to uh, civilian employment of one kind or another. Well, Colonel, here's what I want to ask you about. See, everyone says they do all of this, and then when I talk to some of the federal agencies in the government, they tell me, I'm not talking about the private sector, they tell me, yeah, but Joyce, it's really hard to find these people. Now, why, why would they say that? Why do you think that is? You know, that is, that is puzzling, and I'm not really sure, Joyce, frankly, uh, why, that, why that is the case. If, if, in fact, it is the case, um, it, it, Maybe because the government, you know, has all these privacy rules and they uh, are not uh, allowed to let uh, employers know about, uh, uh, let people know that in the employment world that, that they have, that there are veterans out here that need jobs. I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it really is a, it is a puzzling thing. We like to see it here as an opportunity for companies to actively recruit. And let me just give you an example of something that we just completed last week. Uh, on the 11th of May, we had one of our signature career fairs at the Washington, D.C. Convention Center. It's a large facility in downtown D.C. We put on a job fair for mom-and-pop companies, all the way up to the largest agencies in the federal government, including the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, the VA, and so on. We have over 175 employers, and we bring in as many veterans, including those with disabilities, that would like to come and even bring their resumes to talk with employers right on the spot. This is open not just to officers, but to anyone who has honorably served, any veteran, and their spouses. We had over 1,100 people at this job fair. We also have a nationwide networked job bank here at MOAA that we use for our members to help match them up with employers, and employers even enter their job requirements, et cetera. So I think the what's going on here is we would like to encourage, in a positive way, employers to 
seek out and recruit, actively and openly recruit companies like, for example, Home Depot and Sears have been very good at, at this. So has Walmart. A good friend of mine is a, a retired Army brigadier, and he is responsible for military recruiting in Walmart, which is, I think, right now maybe the largest company in the United States. So there's a lot going on, but you're absolutely right. As, as far as we're concerned, any veteran who seeks employment, any disabled veteran who can't get a job, that's not right, and we need to work on that, all of us together. Yes. And I want to say kudos to those companies just mentioned that are doing something, because remember, I know what it's like. I'm a woman living with epilepsy. I see what's happening in this country to people with disabilities. This year is the 20th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And when former President Bush signed that law and said, let the shameful walls of exclusion finally come tumbling down, he meant it. Come on, folks. Come on. This is something that there should be no even doubt about it, but of course I know that for people with disabilities in general, if 70% are not included in the workforce, we know that we got something going on wrong here. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about before we go to break, uh, Colonel, is if someone wants to go to your website that's listening to the show, what is the website? Yes, it's w www.moaa.org. Okay, moaa.org. Now, how does your organization get funded? Uh, we are funded primarily through our members' dues, and uh, that's how we've operated. We, we uh, do not have any um, corporate memberships. We also, uh, for our members who have military health insurance, uh, we have, this is primarily for folks who are serving on active duty and who are retired and under age 65. We have a medical supplement to their military health insurance, and we get a royalty from that. And we sell advertising in our magazine, that sort of thing. But it's primarily through dues is how we operate as a nonprofit veterans organization. Okay, because one of the questions that was asked is, um, is there a way to make a contribution to MOAA? Well, actually, we have a scholarship and grant program for military kids. Again, this is open to any rank, any grade, um, uh, not just for officers. And it on the website, you can find information about the MOAA scholarship fund. The association pays all of the overhead and the administrative cost, and the monies go into scholarships for military kids. And it's a great, great program. We have millions of dollars uh, that are lent to kids interest-free to help them achieve their goals and complete college and move on and become successful members of the community. Oh, that is awesome. So you're saying any of our listeners, if they so desired, they could make a contribution to that? Yes, they could, absolutely. It's not limited to our members. We would be very pleased and delighted for any contributions to the MOAA Scholarship Fund. All right, listen now. That's www.moaa.org. Go there today. 
All right, right now we got to go to break, folks. But don't worry, we're not letting them go. We'll be right back with Colonel Bob Norton, the Deputy Director at Military Officers Association of America. That's Military Officers Association of America. And this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that includes veterans. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back. If you just joined us, Colonel Bob Morton. The Deputy Director, Government Relations from Military Officers Association of America. And I met this great man at the White House, uh, attending an event that the White House put on, asking a small group of people about the employment of veterans and the employment of people with disabilities. And, of course, at Bender Consulting Services, we do both. We hire people with disabilities, but we most certainly hire veterans with disabilities and he was so engaging and so generous with his time that he agreed to be on our show to speak to all of you so while we were on break right now we were talking for a moment about the vocational rehabilitation program at MOOA do you want to talk about that Colonel sure Joyce thank you um, in 
the short term that that veterans use is voc rehab. It is a program that is run by the VA, Vocational Rehabilitation and Employment Program. Any veteran who has a service-connected disability, normally it's uh, 30%, but it could be 20%, or if you really need this program, it could be less, and it's, it's uh, determined on a case-by-case basis. But this program is really, I think, not getting enough exposure across the country, and it also has one or two things that we feel need to be fixed. Now, this is how it works. A veteran that has a disability can apply to the VA for voc rehab. And voc rehab gives you an opportunity to be tested, to receive job counseling, to get job placement, and also to get training that is paid for by the VA, including educational training. Uh, This is a wonderful program, and it's specifically designed for veterans with disabilities. We'd like to see a lot more exposure of voc rehab out there. And I would also say that, frankly, there are a couple of things that need to be improved with voc rehab. One of them, for example, is that veterans who are involved in voc rehab who are using the job training services, they get a monthly cost-of-living stipend. That's a good thing. However, the problem is is that they don't get as good a living stipend as a veteran can get under the post-9-11 GI Bill, the brand-new GI Bill that is about a year old, that is the best GI Bill since World War II. But if you're using voc rehab, you don't get the same cost-of-living stipend, the better cost-of-living stipend, the housing stipend, if you will, that you can get from the GI Bill. We're hoping that Congress will fix that because at the end of the day, our disabled warriors are the ones that really can benefit from this voc rehab program. And we'd like to see a lot more people use it. In fact, there was a young man on my block who got out of the Marine Corps with a 30% disability, and he didn't even know about voc rehab. Uh, I was just chatting with him one day. He was using the old uh, GI Bill called the Montgomery GI Bill, and I said to him, hey, Jamie, what about uh, voc rehab? Didn't know anything about it, and so I helped him get involved in it, and he's been using it very successfully since then. He's finished college. He's interviewing with uh, the federal government, and he's starting to move along in a really great uh, path. But I'd like to see more done to improve this overall program called Vocational Rehabilitation and Employment. Wow, that is amazing how different it is. So listen, if you're listening to the show, you know what you can do? You can write to your senator or your congressman about this. That's what you can do right now. Exactly. That Because, you know, we, people with disabilities, we should have the same parity here. You, You could write a letter right now about this, you know, to bring this forward. Plus, I guarantee you a lot of people don't know about this, just as the young man you were talking about, but that has to be equal. That must be shamed. So, hey, call to action, listeners. You've helped make big changes before. You heard what the colonel said. Write a letter. Tell them about this and that you want equal pay to the GI Bill. Is that correct, Colonel? Absolutely. If I could mention uh, one other item that's related to that, uh, there is a a brand-new bill that is called the Veteran Employment Assistance Act of 2010 
that was just introduced last month. And I think your, interest, your listeners would be interested that one of the key features in this new bill is that it would provide job training in the new post-9-11 GI Bill. Uh, your listeners may not know, but every single GI Bill going back to the great World War II GI Bill had job training as part of the program. In fact, more veterans historically have used the GI Bill for apprenticeship, job training, OJT, certificate training, you name it, rather than actual going to college training. But the new GI Bill, the post-9-11 GI Bill, does not have job training in it, and that's something that we need to fix because some of our disabled veterans out there they don't want to go to college for one reason or another. They want to get a skill, whether it's computer technology or in the, in the health industry, you name it. That's what they want to do. They don't want to get a, a college degree. They need to be able to have job training in their GI Bill, and we're hoping that this legislation, S-3234, from Senator Patty Murray in the state of Washington will uh, receive favorable treatment. The bill, by the way, Joyce, also has another good thing in it. It has a, it modifies what's called the Workforce Investment Act of 1998. I don't know much about that, but uh, that would direct the Secretary of Labor to set up special opportunities for people with technical skills in the military to enable them to build on them and enter into civilian information technology fields and jobs. And it would also open uh, military folks who've been in nursing and public health and other allied health professional fields to get into similar skills, similar fields when they separate from military service. So there's a number of wonderful things in this bill, and we think it's a, a very good bill, and we're hoping that Congress is going to take it up as soon as possible, S-3234. S-3234. Correct. S-3234. Of all things, what am I all about, folks? Employment. Employment, especially during this economy, can't be left out, cannot be left out. And we already talked about disabled veterans, should never be left out. You all need call to action. You all need to write. You know what I would say on this letter? I would say we want work. And to have work, we need training. We need training. You've got to get to them. You've got to send this. Now, should they contact that specific senator, or can they talk to their senator? No, they should contact their own senator so that the bill will start to get support from throughout the Senate. And that way, um, Senator Murray herself will be able to, uh, you know, to push hard to get the bill through. Okay, and listen to the disabled community in Washington. Get on it, folks. Come on. That's terrible that that job training wouldn't be included. Everyone listening to the show today, write that letter. Write that letter. And, you know, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't want to or I don't want to do it by email, I want to repeat to you again. There are men and women overseas that put their life on the line for you. They don't even know you. Now they came back here, and like us, they have a disability. It is your responsibility morally to do something. Do something about it. 
One thing I want to talk about, uh, Colonel, is that here at Bender Consulting Services, you know, we work with companies across the United States in 18 different states, and we also work with federal agencies, uh, some of them being defense and intelligence agencies. And we have hired many veterans with disabilities, and they are, in fact, some of our star employees. I know that to even be counted to serve our country, to be enlisted, you are taught disciplines and work ethics that I believe all employers seek. And I wondered if you could talk about that for a minute. Oh, sure, Joyce. Well, let's start with this. You've heard this. I've heard this. It's out there in our culture, the me generation. It's all about me. Well, when you look at men and women who have volunteered to raise their hand and swear to defend our Constitution and our way of life, they join the us generation. This is a unique group of young men and women who have said, I see a bigger purpose than just myself and my own needs and my own money and my own future. I see that it's important to be part of something bigger than me. So when you get, as an employer, a young man or woman who has served in the military, you get somebody who is a team player. This is a person from Generation Us. They know how to work well with others. Also, they have tremendous flexibility. They have tremendous problem-solving capability. Anybody who's ever served in the military understands that when you get into these very difficult, complex, and dangerous situations, not only do you have to work as a team, but you have to solve some very difficult and complex problems. Those kinds of skills are, are like hen's teeth in the marketplace. And our young men and women come back from the service, they have these skills, they have this great uh, team orientation. What about us? Let's move together to, to get something done. So a company is going to really uh, get tremendous value out of our young veterans. And say, finally, I would say, Joyce, you get men and women who are very comfortable with diversity. Uh, you know, the culture wars and all that, they're out there and but so what? When people put on the uniform, they bond together to serve their nation and to get the job done, get the mission done. So it really doesn't matter to them where you come from, who your parents are, what you, language you spoke originally, what your background, etc. They're used to diversity, and that is a huge plus in the American marketplace today. So you put all these things together, hard work, perseverance, teamwork, discipline, problem-solving capability, flexibility, and diversity, you've got ideal candidates to go to work for America. Yes, you do. And before we go to break, I want to say one last thing. Hey, don't look at a veteran with a disability and feel sorry for the person. I've got this to say to you. If you can fight in Iraq, Afghanistan, no matter where it is, I guarantee you, you can deal with stress at work. I guarantee it. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. We'll be right back to close the show with Colonel Bob Norton. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Isa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Isa, where America learns to invest. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, and what a great show we've had today. We've had on Colonel Bob Norton, the Deputy Director of Government Relations of Military Officers Association of America. If you just tuned in, go back to Voice America or BenderConsult.com. You know we keep these shows archived. Tell all of your friends, especially if you have a friend serving or you know a family member with someone serving, make sure you tell them about this particular show. You'll be doing them an enormous favor. So, Colonel, what do you hope to achieve as Deputy Director of Government Relations at MOAA? Well, I've been here a while, Joyce. It's over 13 years, and it is an honor and a privilege to be at MOAA, the Military Officers Association. Really, it's more like a family here, and the work that we do uh, inspires me, really. The people that we work for inspire us every day, so I look forward to coming to work every day. I would say that... Um, I would like to, as I mentioned already, I'd like to see the new GI Bill improved. Uh, that would be a, a big, big plus for our serving men and women. Listen, the new GI Bill is the greatest thing since World War II GI Bill, but there are some issues that need to be sorted out, like job training and, and students, student veterans who go to school full-time online, in other words, distance learners using their computers to go to college, they can't get the housing allowance if they use, uh, if they use their uh, on full-time online schooling. 
as an option. So those are some of the things that uh, that I would like to get uh, done in my watch. And uh, there's the list goes on and on and on because there are always things that need to be improved. We'd like to see a, a bigger pay raise for the active duty and reserve troops next year. About a two point two percent pay raise doesn't sound like much, but um, it, it's really what these young men and women deserve for themselves and their families. Well, I would agree with that 100%. Colonel, let me ask you this. As a young man growing up, I mean, you, you know, you have accomplished so much. I wanted to know, did you have a role model? Well, I'd have to say it was probably my dad, Joyce. Uh, my dad was part of the greatest generation. He was an Army officer in World War II, served in Germany, and uh, came home. He continued his career in uh, the reserves, but he also then went to work for the VA. He was a counseling psychologist over a 40-year career, and he worked with veterans from his own generation, World War II, Korea, and Vietnam, the three big wars of the 20th century. And uh, the first time I testified for MOAA on Capitol Hill, I thought about my dad and I mentioned him. He was alive at the time and I said it's an honor and a privilege to represent him and all the great men and women who have worn this uniform. So dad was quite a guy and he lived to the ripe old age of 92 and uh, we here at MOAA uh, like nothing better than to do everything that we can to work for the men and women who have worn this country's uniform. But that is so awesome. Well, he has a great son. So you obviously learned a lot from your father. That is wonderful. Well, you have already accomplished so much in your life at in the service. You have received numerous awards. I was very impressed with that. I wanted to ask you, though, of all these awards, of everything that's happened to you, what would you say you are the proudest of? Well, I'm the proudest probably of talking my wife, Colleen, into marrying me. Uh, we celebrate our 40th anniversary this year, and I'm also very proud of our two beautiful grown children, and we have three uh, grandchildren. In my professional life, I would say having a hand in the supporting and working very hard for the passage of the post-9-11 GI Bill uh, was a high-water mark in my professional career. Uh, it gave me just great satisfaction to see that enacted. I have to do a bit of a shout-out to Senator Jim Webb, whom I worked for in the Pentagon over 20 years ago, and he was the guy who spearheaded pushing through the GI Bill, and he and, and the former Senator John Warner deserve lots of credit. But they needed foot soldiers to help push that thing through, and we and many of our friends in the military coalition and among the other veterans groups, we were the foot soldiers that helped to get them the political support and the public support that they needed to push through the great new post-9-11 GI Bill. And it's been uh, a real joy to have been involved in that. Uh, and uh, I can't say enough about having met a lot of young veterans who are now using the, the GI Bill to realize their dreams and to go on to school and to uh, take their place as the future leaders in our great nation. You know, you know, when you were talking about 
things you're proud of and you gave those shout-outs, as you well know, it takes a whole group of people to make something happen. And um, so you obviously built very good relationships with a lot of people in order to do that, such as the senators that you just mentioned. That's exactly right. I mean, in our business, it is all about uh, communication and collaboration and and calling upon our great members and really calling upon the American public to think about ways that they can help veterans, whether it's in a hometown setting, helping them with job placement or referrals or mentoring them, um, or at the larger level, at the political level. Uh, It's all about working together. That's what, you know, really, I don't mean to be on a soapbox here, Joyce, but it, it really is about all of us together as Americans looking to see what we can do to help our great young veterans to to take their rightful place in our great economy and in our nation. Well, yeah, because if we don't work together, how are we going to accomplish anything? Exactly. You know, right? I mean, we really have to work together to make any of this happen. And um, I do have a last question here before before I ask you the last question, from, um, let's see, Teddy. Teddy, and this is from Twitter, and he is in Kansas. And the question is, what would you say are the number one trait you need, the top two or three traits, to be successful as a veteran? I think it's, I think that those are the same traits that you displayed as a service member on active duty or in the reserves or National Guard. One is determination, and two is perseverance, and three is flexibility. If you employ those three traits, you will make it happen in the civilian world. And I know our men and women who have served have those three traits in spades. It's just a question of maybe getting the the right information and the right contact, uh, the right referrals, so that they can start moving in a direction that will enable them to realize their dreams. And uh, if someone is listening to the show today and they're thinking, boy, I would love to get enlisted or serve, uh, what should they do? Well, the uh, the online generation could go online and just uh, plug in U.S. Army, U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Navy, etc., Air Force, Coast Guard, and you will be brought to the service websites. You don't. There's no obligation. You can go in there and get all the information you need about the service, about the enlistment procedure, and all of that stuff before you ever go down and talk to a recruiter. Uh, that's a good way. You can also, I think, talk to people who have served. And uh, whether it's a cousin or a high school friend who has completed their hitch or still in the service, people are very well connected through the Internet today. You can talk to people that you know that are in the service now and get first-hand information. And that those would be two recommendations that I would have. And one that I have is if anyone listening to the show today does decide to do that, please send an email to jbender at benderconsult.com and let me know. And if you do, I say thank you ahead of time and also wish you only the very best. So, Colonel Norton, how, what message would you like to leave for, with our listeners today? 
Well, uh, let me just mention very quickly, Joyce, that uh, we're having our fourth annual Wounded Warrior Symposium on the 10th of September at the Hyatt Regency, Washington, D.C., here in the nation's capital. It's about the unseen effects of war on our families as our warriors come back. I would just say, Joyce, uh, that all of us in our country should be grateful for the, the service the dedication, the heroism of our men and women who currently serve and of those of all of our uh, wars who have served this nation with distinction. We honor them and Americans honor them. They are stepping out, the 1% of our population who is standing up for the rest of us in these very difficult times, and we all owe them the utmost respect and gratitude for their service. And you know... Before I close the show, that means I have to say a special word of gratitude to a great veteran, Mr. James Saletti, my father, still living, who served in World War II in the Navy. And don't think I don't appreciate that. Well, folks, we always end the show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or someone that has been a leader in America for people with disabilities. And today it is from former Tony Quello Award winner, Senator Dick Durbin, who said, It is unacceptable that disabled veterans in Illinois rank at the bottom of the list when it comes to disability pay. We owe our disabled veterans more than speeches, parades, and monuments. Oh, how true that is. Colonel Norton, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Joyce. It was a real pleasure. All right, and listen, we'll see you all next week on Voice America with Joyce Bender, where you know it, disability matters. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.